Hey guys, this is episode two of AI Weekly, and this week we're going to dive deep into discussions about Google's new technologies in the hardware and AI industry, as well as the American military's use of AI to predict the future. And finally, we'll also talk about how AI is turning into a human-like inventor with potential for AI patented inventions all around the world. Now let, let's dive deep into our first uh, topic of this week, uh, which is on that Google has uh, recently innovated a new chip, hardware chip, just like uh, much like Apple's M1 chip. Uh, this Google Pixel Tensor chip would be used uh, for more advanced hardware and software uh, uses, as well as uh, its potentials to accelerate the progress of Google Pixel phones, uh, photography and speech recognition abilities and capabilities, and also uh, improve the machine learning programs uh, to be more uh, focused and be more advanced and curate to more personalized options, uh, which wasn't possible with Intel chips uh, and a lot of tech companies nowadays, including Amazon, are moving to fabulous uh, chip making systems. And so they make their own chips, but uh, an alternative uh, chip making factories producing them physically. So uh, this is a great new industry and I think it'll uh, bring a lot of capabilities for functions in phones and cars uh, in all the electronic devices we use. And maybe it'll affect Intel. I don't know. What, what do you think on uh, the chip making industry and how it's developing Kingston? Well, it looks to me like a lot of companies uh, are currently uh, building these super fast, uh, super impressive chips. Like uh, I've seen uh, Apple, as you said, and IBM as well have been uh, doing similar. And I think that uh, really what we'll see is um, we'll see more and more possibilities opened up as a result of greater and greater processing speeds and calculation speeds and etc. Um, and uh, this could lead to really exciting new possibilities in terms of the types of things that can be programmed and uh, the speed at which things can be executed and also uh, the potential to perhaps solve some problems that were theoretically solvable, but not solvable due to, uh, in practice, due to uh, insufficient computing uh, capabilities. But it's kind of like also the question, like the old, um, kind of the old names of chip making companies like Intel, um, you know, and, and all those companies, like what would happen to them if these companies start making it themselves then? Um, I think that, uh, uh, competition has always been the driving force of uh, technological advancement and I I, I think that um, the more companies that are involved in this competition, this race for building these super fast and super exciting processors and chips, uh, I think the better um, because those companies can push each other forward and uh, the ultimate race for uh, technological advancement. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I think that um, this leads nicely on to discussion about Google's new AI, um, the MUM AI. Um, it's uh, 
it proposes a, a new revolutionary approach to um, indexing and searching um, on uh, the internet um, and uh, could have a profound impact on the way that we use search engines currently. Um, the uh, search engine is apparently, or this AI um, could unlock the capability to for a search engine to answer or provide answers to abstract questions, um, which is something which that they previously have not been well equipped for. Equipped for. Previously, they've been good for searching um, questions with definitive answers or perhaps for finding research um, around abstract questions and research papers. But what these new, this new AI should provide as a way for these questions perhaps to be summarized, answers to be summarized, or to um, to have a search engine provided answer fueled by AI, and that could really transform uh, our our the way that we use these search engines and have some profound impacts on society as a whole. What would you what would you say about the AI? Yeah, I, I think what's so revolutionizing is like, um, you know, like if you ask a question on Google, it has to be very uh, direct and it's not able to say to like understand uh, specific situations, you know, like, um, for example, if you, you say, I ask Google, like, can you get medicine for someone at the pharmacy? Um, it's kind of hard to Google for like to answer like the questions specifically. Uh, they may have like suggestions and stuff, but it, you have to like spend more time to dig for it. And not all like the information that pops up is not always like directly answering the question. Um, I, I think it will like decrease our search, um, like ourselves search abilities because uh, you know, if it's so advanced, like we might not be able to be so smart and uh, searching. So that may be one of the factors. Um, but I think it's overwhelmingly helpful to people. And it's going to decrease a lot of, um, you know, extra time, and it's going to make things go a lot more efficient, and smoothly in society. Yeah, absolutely. Google is no doubt. Um an amazing search engine um, that has really changed mm -hmm. a lot in society as it is. Yeah. Um, but uh, I'm sure you you might be aware, you might not have the, the subreddit Yellow Sonic. Have you heard of it? No. Uh, okay, so basically yeah, Yellow Sonic is a, uh, a subreddit uh, designed for capturing what are known as Yellow Sonic moments, named this way after somebody searched Yellow Sonic um, and uh, uh, there's somebody searched what is yellow sonic called and the response that google gave was knuckles um so currently there are um there is a, a somewhat uh frequent but not frequent so as to render it useless but more something you might come that might happen occasionally when you do a google search is that the results are just completely wrong um and usually this is because the question is not understood by the search engine this usually happens with questions or rather than facts facts that you search on google will usually come correct but questions especially abstract ones can be a problem for it so i'm just looking at the the front page right now um 
and uh, the when you search into Google what is salt water taffy made of, um, it responds with salt, food, water, sugar, butter, vanilla, corn syrup, cornstarch, food coloring, unsalted butter. Um, it's uh, or if you search Irish sports, something that pops up, the first thing that pops up is American football. So there are def there's definitely room for Google search engine to improve on that front. And I think that this new AI could be the thing that makes that improvement. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, I think like, it's more of like a 80-20 thing because I think most of the time people use Google to ask questions. And I mean, literally people ask every single question you can possibly imagine on Google. So. This is a feature that's going to be used by billions of people and definitely would be life-changing. I think um, just going to be a lot of, uh, you know, answers that's going to be answered. And, you know, it's uh, definitely something that would make everything better, especially if uh, people need assistance, like elderly, uh, as we mentioned last time with the uh, Tesla robot. And I think a lot of these things uh, help not only the people who need it the most, but it's, you know, applicable to everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one thing as well that this could help with is medical advice, because it's really important that medical advice is correct for obvious reasons. Um, and uh, if Google were to say to give incorrect medical advice, um, not only could they potentially open themselves up for, for lawsuits, um, but it could also result in injury, death, um, or worsening medical conditions for an individual or the person that they're searching advice on behalf of. Um, so I think that, yeah, um, any sort of tool which will increase the accuracy of, and, uh, of the results provided is a real positive step forward and um, could have a real impact. Um, and yeah, uh, that I think is really um, the the best way to describe this new AI in terms of its impact is um, that it would increase the accuracy of results and it would increase the range of results and that can only be a good thing. Um, mm -hmm. any, yeah. Anyway. Um, so now the US military, uh, also known as the Pentagon, uh, believes that its precognitive AI could predict events four days, up to four days in advance. Uh, and now, if you actually also heard of uh, that, the uh, Pentagon is also developing quantum computers to process these uh, AI-generated information. And I, I think this is something that it'll, they'll utilize for as hardware um, to store massive amounts of information as well as to uh, predict things. Um, but I think this is something that's, you know, beyond just coming out of a sci-fi movie in Hollywood. Um, I think this is instrumental for, you know, uh, accurate and, um, you know, life-saving operations as well as, you know, doing great things. And so I think this is going to, uh, revolutionize the, uh, the military operation, um, and like a lot of military operations nowadays are ground-based and they require a lot of people. Uh, not only is it expensive, but it's also dangerous for people to be on, you know, the ground operation. And so if they can predict it, they can 
send autonomous vehicles, AI generated stuff. So it's reduces the amount of casualties and, um, you know, it's bringing safety and efficiency to everybody. I think uh, that final point there about reducing the amount of casualties is certainly a positive uh, step forward in terms of uh, military warfare. Um, I would say though that um, the, in terms of military strategy, the idea, I think it's important that the AI is a tool rather than um, the, uh, the general or the leader itself, um, because I think an over-reliance on AI technology could lead to a whole host of concerns about relating to the military strategy. For example, if uh, cyber criminals were able to uh, hack into the, uh, the US military system and uh, gain information about the way that this AI works, that could and if that AI were the only factor being used to uh, determine uh, or to predict strikes or uh, to predict uh, military action, um, the opposing side could exploit the features of this AI by perhaps predicting events that aren't occurring or learning ways to mask events from the AI. No. So while it would be useful as a tool, I think it would be foolish for it to be relied on too much. Yeah, I mean, like AI manip manipulation and also like deep fakes. Um, you know, I think that's also like a gap in the problems. And I think like with every new technology, there are always um, problems that you have to solve and you have to figure. And it's just, um, you know, like with if you don't innovate, there's uh, never going to be new problems. So it's better to have better technologies than to, you know, be uh, too worried about the problems. But it's also, you know, like as with any other AI technology, it's a complementary thing that we do every day um, rather than, you know, absolute reliance. Yeah. Um, the, to add to that point, there was recently a study which showed that uh, deep fakes can be inserted into satellite uh, coverage, um, and uh, these uh, uh, re and researchers at the University of Washington and Oregon State University co-authored a recent article, which was called uh, "Cartography and Geographic Information Science," uh, or in "Cartography and Geographic Information Science," which is titled "Deep Fake Geography." where geospatial data encounters artificial intelligence. And within this article, uh, they uh, looked at how, uh, yeah, how deep fakes can be constructed from satellite images. Um, this sort of aspect of deep fakes is one which has been perhaps neglected uh, for, uh, for a while, um, but it's an aspect which is definitely of concern as shown by this new military technology, which relies on satellite imagery. Um, mm -hmm. This could be a potential countermeasure by the opposing military in order to, uh, as I said, deceive the US military AI and therefore uh, upset the US military's strategy. Um, 
so I think that if they're going to be um, if they're going to be using this AI, this is perhaps a potential uh, pitfall that they should be aware of. Yeah, it definitely is a thing because sometimes, um, you know, like satellite imagery isn't always uh, intensely accurate because it's uh, difficult to, you know, scan the entire Earth uh, so precisely and every square meter of it. So sometimes uh, people may find to, you know, to find opportunities to uh, put a deep fake in there or uh, put something that may be very misleading and um, you know it's also like they make up information for the information that they couldn't retrieve um, so it's kind of like a double-edged sword and uh, you know like google street view there's a car that goes around the google streets to actually uh, take pictures of the uh, street view so it's very like human controlled and man-made um, and to fill up like the parts that they didn't go through, they have to use AI, uh, but that also, you know, presents a uh, ethic problems of uh, deep fake geography. So, uh, you know, I think it's something that um, we should be aware of when we're doing satellite directions, you know, on our phones and stuff. Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, now, um, on to our final topic. Uh, Recently, there was a ruling in an Australian court that said, yes, AI can be an inventor. And what this has done is it is contrary to uh, the rulings in other Western or in other uh, nations, uh, such as the United States and the United Kingdom, which have leaned towards the opposite um, or been inconclusive. In Australia, um, it has recently been ruled that, yes, AI can be an inventor. So uh, what this idea is is that uh, somebody invents an AI um, and that AI is capable of creating additional software um, or creating software or maybe not even software and perhaps it makes music or perhaps it uh, makes a, some sort of object but the idea is someone makes an AI um, and then that AI creates something. Now the question is should the credit for the invention, the, the patent, should it go with the, uh, with the AI or should it go with the person who invented the AI? What if there are additional chains? What if you have the person, then the AI, then the, the AI invents another AI that invents something else? Who should the, or what should the credit go to for, for that invention? Um, and uh, previously, the US and UK courts seem to be ruling in favor of the the original inventor getting the uh, patent. So the, the human who created the AI that then through the butterfly effect led to the final product or AI or idea or uh, invention of some kind. Um, but this Australian court has uh, ruled the opposite. Um, now, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting because, like, it's kind of like, um, you, know, you know, like ties in with the AI robots and more kind of self-conscious AI technologies that are being developed today. Uh, and it kind of goes to that length of, you know, like what qualifies firstly as a patent 
And number two is kind of, um, you know, like how far technology in terms of technology could AI, you know, self-generating event, event, uh, AI inventors go. Um, I, I think like so far it's quite low level. It's not threatening anything. It's mostly kind of learning and identifying patterns from data. Uh, you know, for example, it's used a lot in the bio industry, uh, which is, you know, kind of understanding how drugs could be reused uh, or used and discovering new strains, how it could be, uh, you know, you know, literally accelerate the development of new medicine, uh, you know, the new R&D and stuff. Uh, I think it's kind of like, you know, like, how dangerous would it be for an AI to invent stuff um, if we give patents to them? Uh, yeah, and you know, I think that this one was uh, called actually Davos. Uh, basically, it's a creativity machine that invented a beverage container, uh, you know, like able to detect some patterns of human behavior. Uh, as well as a neural flame device that was uh, used in search and rescue missions. So I think it's, um, you know, it's kind of like, you know, how beneficial, um, what kind of benefits are these bringing? And, um, you know, if they set a danger to human society or, um, you know, like how do we understand patents or define patents in the first place? Yeah, a similar sort of idea to this uh, idea of AI inventors is perhaps uh, AI damage um, and the responsibility of that. Say an AI, I know this is rather abstract and unlikely to happen for a while, but say an AI invents another AI that causes some, that uh, invents a virus, uh, or say a person invents an AI that then goes on to make a virus. Um, mm -hmm. and that virus causes, uh, uh, violates the Computer Misuse Act, um, or the creation of that virus is in violation of Computer Misuse Act, or similar legislation in other countries. It's uh, not, uh, it doesn't matter which country it happens in particularly. Um, would the blame lie with the person who invented the AI? Um, or would the blame lie with the AI that invented the virus, um, would you say? I guess it's kind of like, uh, what was the AI machine created for in the first place? Like, what was the purpose of the machine? Like, was it for uh, specifically inventing viruses? Um, let's say uh, that the purpose was for writing code more generally it just so happened the code that the AI wrote turned out to um, contain to contain a virus or to, uh -huh. uh, or some kind of malware. Well, I think like if that's the case, uh, then I think like this may be uh, disputed, but I think it lies in the culpability of like the humans who coded the AI. I think it's important for people to be vigilant, be, um, you know, assess the potential, the exact code or like 
you know, how the AI is functioning, operating, and make sure that the AI isn't making any errors. Um, it can't, it couldn't be perfect, but it's, you know, I think it should be making things in uh, the least damaging way to human society. All right. Um, yeah, um, it's uh, certainly an interesting question. Uh, would you say that it can be solved on a, on a na national level or perhaps due to the global nature of technology that it requires a global solution or global legislation? I think, you know, global legislation works a lot better because it's kind of like unifying all the most bright, the, the brightest minds, you know, the most uh, advanced, you know, people in the technology and, you know, gather people together and see what solutions we can come up uh, to, you know, prevent things, you know, from going very badly or, you know, going bad and stuff. So I think a global solution is always the better one for sure. Okay, um, that's all from us today. Um, thank you very much for listening and uh, we hope you enjoyed. Um, if you have any questions or suggestions or feedback, feel free to send them to the team at uh, AI Daily, um, which can be done by going to the AI Daily website um, to the contact section and writing in the subject line AI Weekly. Um, uh, so thank you very much for, for listening again, and uh, I wish you uh, a good day. Yeah. Uh, thank you guys, and see you guys in the next episode of AI Weekly.